Let us pray together. Lord, thank you for this opportunity we have again to look into your word. And as we ponder its depths together, Lord, speak into our hearts and into our lives. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. We've been looking together at the Sermon on the Mount uh, of Jesus' first sermon to the people around him from Matthew chapter 5 uh, to verse, uh, chapter, rather to chapter 7. And we began with the, the Beatitudes. He went up on a hillside and he sat down and he said eight things, eight ways in which we can get blessing from God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst, those who show mercy, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted. Eight different ways that we can receive blessing from God. And God says, Jesus said, God, your Father wants to give you so much blessing in your life. But then there are, he goes on after we looked at those to six different ways. Well, I'm going backwards. There we go. Six different ways to receive, or six different ways in which the blessing can be limited in your life. It's, it's like he, he likens it, or he doesn't, but somebody likened it to a garden where you've got flowers. Do you remember? And these are the flowers that are growing, but then the weeds grow up amongst them. And Jesus went on to say there are six areas that you need to take particular account of in your life because these are areas that can stop, they can choke the blessing from coming in your life. And so he goes on to speak about these six different areas. First, he says, anger. Guard what comes out of your heart. Guard what you say. Guard, listen to yourself. Look at your heart because what you say is an indication of what's going on inside. And you need to have a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will receive. They will be children of God and so on. So watch out what's coming out, your anger and so on. But also watch out, guard what goes in. He talks about adultery and lust. But he's really saying in a bigger context, guard what's going to go into your heart. Because your heart is precious and it's sensitive. And therefore, you need to be careful about what you allow to come in, as well as what's already there and coming out. We looked at about covenant promises. Talks about adultery. But he's saying in the, there are special promises that you make, covenant relationships that you have above all the other promises, and those are often the channels of greatest blessings. So don't go break and treat those covenant promises lightly. Also, watch your integrity. Watch about your commitments. When you say, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Say what you mean. Don't promise on things, and then don't do it. Check your integrity. It's one of the areas today, I think, that, that comes under most attack. Today, it's like if you can get away with it, then it's, it's, it's fine. If you can, you know, like uh, when, I, I don't know if you did this when you were kids, but if you went to the cinema and you paid to go watch one movie and then you see if you could sneak into another movie to, to catch that one, you know, and then you'd go and brag about it with all your friends. Hey, I got two for one, you know. So don't do that because what are you doing? You're damaging your integrity. When somebody missed, you know, gives you back the wrong change, do you keep it, do you pocket it, or do you go back and say, hey, there's, there's a problem here? Now, you can pocket it, 
But what are you doing? You're chipping away all the time at your own integrity about who you are. It's affecting your heart, and it will affect the blessings that come in. Is it really worth it for a couple of pounds or whatever? So look at your own integrity and your commitments. And then the last one we looked at, which we've done this in a different order, uh, but we looked at passive love versus active love. Love should always be active, going out of its way to, to give and to serve others, not just sit there and waiting for things to happen. That's number six. So we, we missed out number five, and we're going to look at number five today. This is what Jesus says. He said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them and the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. These are difficult words of Jesus, aren't they? They're words that are so often quoted. How many of you have heard, eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth? It's one of the ones you know, isn't it? They deserve it. But let's look at what Jesus is really saying here. Because we need to understand and go deeper into just the, than the surface level to really understand what Jesus is talking about. Here, Jesus gives four examples Four different examples, but he's really talking about one thing, and that's this. Don't allow a spirit of negativity through retaliation and defensiveness to enter your heart. Don't allow a spirit of negativity through retaliation and defensiveness to enter your heart. Let me show you what he's saying. First, he says this, first example, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I heard about uh, a dental student called Janine Brooks. She was a student, she was going through a hard time because she had to pay her student fees herself. And then... To top it all off, when she was struggling financially to put herself through dental college, some guy ran into her car, looked at her, and then drove straight off. The damage to the car was considerable and dented the whole of the front of the side in, and she didn't really have enough money to pay for her student fees as well as to fix her car. And the financial burden, and finally she scrimped and she saved over the next year just to get enough money together to fix it. Ten years later, Janine was a fully qualified dentist practicing, and guess who walked into? The guy in the car didn't recognize her, but she recognized him. And there he lay before her with his mouth open. She said in her professional voice, as she was about to pull one of his teeth, this isn't going to hurt. But she lied. And she did all she could to make it hurt as much as possible. An eye for an eye 
and literally a tooth for the front of a car. What is Jesus saying here? We'll come back to that in a minute. Second one is this. If he slaps you on one cheek, turn the other one. Third one, sues you and take your shirt and your coat as well. And the fourth one is someone forces you to go one mile, then go an extra mile. Go two. Let's look at that first one. What is he really saying? Well, it comes from the Old Testament, of course, from Exodus 21. And if you read the whole chapter, we haven't got time today, but it's really talking about, in its context, about serious injury that is being caused. And here it comes. It says, but if there is a serious injury, you're to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. The context of this is the administration of justice to the people of Israel, which was to be administered by the wider community. So some serious injury was caused. I always pick on Tim. I'll pick on Tim again, right? Tim, Tim causes me serious injury so that I can't work. I can't go back out into my field anymore. He sticks an axe through my leg, right? Yeah, sorry about that. That's, that's not good enough. I can't work in the field anymore, so I go hobbling off to the authorities, to the district, you know, and I say, hey, Tim, he stuck an axe in through my leg, right? And they go, oh, this is serious. And if it was serious and if it was with intent, because he disagreed with last Sunday's sermon so badly, then the community would administer the justice. And the justice, really what the Bible is saying, the justice needs to be reciprocal. It needs to be appropriate to what's going on. So it talks about if, if, you, if you hit your slave or your servant and they lose a tooth, then you have to pay them and let them go free. Right? You can't mistreat people. You can't do things. And it was for the wider community to, to come up with some kind of reparation that was acceptable, that wasn't over the top, that wasn't escalating the situation. But the problem was in Jesus' day, they twisted this, they're taking it out of context so that people were saying, hey, like we do today, an eye for an eye, it's fair, it's fair. He sticks an axe through my leg, I'll stick an axe through both of his. And that's the way it goes. How many films have you seen? I'm coming to get you, which is based on this. You take this, I'll come back and I'll hurt you ten times. Just watch. And then they run out of plot and there's always a car chase somewhere in the middle of it, right? It's always the same. It's what our culture says. You do something, I'll do it even worse to you. But that's not the word says that. It's not about individual revenge. And it's certainly not about the revenge that people could administer themselves, but that's what it had become in Jesus' day. And so Jesus is saying, you, you've got this all wrong. Don't do this. In fact, the Old Testament in Leviticus 19 says this, don't seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You see, God is not saying, Jesus is not saying, 
you shouldn't, there shouldn't be justice. He's saying there should be justice, but you shouldn't be the one that's administering the justice. There shouldn't be any vigilantism going on. Hey, I'm going to get justice from myself. He's saying let the authorities do it, and they need to do it with compassion and with restraint. He says, don't, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Resist means don't fight back. Don't, they, they swing at you, you swing at them. He says, don't do that. Don't fight back. How many families are split because of this? To the point where they can't even remember what the original thing was, but they remember what the last thing was. And they're figuring out a way to get back even worse. Don't do that. This is an evil person. That's one that talks about their heart and their attitude. Don't be like them. Don't, don't have the same heart, the same attitude as the one that's doing it to you. Don't resist them. Keep your heart pure. He's saying, don't, don't seek revenge. By all means, go and seek justice where justice is merited. But don't seek revenge for yourself or retaliation because if you do that, you're going you're gonna to stop the blessing and you're going to damage your heart. Romans 5.20, this is what he says, the law is brought in so that trespass might increase so that we might recognize our heart better. But... Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. If anyone could retaliate, would have justification to retaliate against you and me, it would be Jesus. But what did he do? He says, I love you and I forgive you. Second example, he said, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Tim, I need your help here. Come up here. Poor old Tim. Now, when we, re- when we think about this verse, what do we normally think about? Normally, you think about fights, right? Let me hit Tim. Boom. Which cheek did I hit him on? It's left. How do I slap him on the right cheek? Either I have to say, Tim, stay there. Boom, right? Or, which is not a slap, I just go, like this, right? So really what it's saying is, it's not, thank you very much, you're a wonderful uh, model. So what it's saying is not, it's not about fighting. It's actually speaking about insults. Remember like in, the, in old England where they used to take their, uh, their, their gloves out? Across the cheek. That's, that's what it is. And, and it was the same in Israel. If you were to slap someone with the back of your hand, it was, a, it was an insult. Palm of your hand, it was like, you naughty child. Right? Back of the hand, insult. And that's what it's talking about. Jesus is saying, if anyone insults you, then turn the other cheek and let them insult you more. Right? This is not about getting into a physical abusive situation. This is more about verbal abuse.
But we remembered what Jesus said and what Jesus did when, when they hold their insults at him in 1 Peter 2.23. What did Jesus do? When he was there before Pilate, when he was there before the Sanhedrin, before the Roman soldiers, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus says, if somebody insults you, what are you going to do? A natural response? I'll insult them back. You think like that? I'll think even worse. We just keep escalating it, don't we? I was, I was in a furniture shop in, in Watford this week. Actually, Friday. I was sitting there on a nice comfy sofa trying it out. And there was this really irate woman. I want the manager. Give me the manager. So the manager came and she started throwing insults at the manager. What did the manager do? Started throwing insults back at her. It was great. We had a comfy ringside seat. The other staff were all gathered around us saying, would you like to see it? No, no, I don't want to see any other sofas. I'm quite happy sitting there watching going what's going on over there. And they, the other staff were going, I don't know why the manager acts like this. He's just escalating the situation. And sure enough, that's what happens. So he says, don't you speak to me like that. I'm the manager of this store. Blah, 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 blah. Right? He's getting all upset. She's getting even more upset because she's not getting whatever she wanted. So she's insulting him even more. And it's just escalating and getting worse and worse until she finally storms out the showroom. And then they come, I'm sorry about that, sir, can we help you? You know, it's like, I think not. But thank you for the sport. What do you do when someone insults you? The natural tendency within us is to insult them back. You say something negative to me, I'll say something even more negative to you. And then you'll say something negative, and so it keeps going backwards and forwards like tennis. What did Jesus do? He said, I'm not going to say nothing. Look at what it even says in Matthew 5. We looked at this. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Jesus said, what are you going to do when they insult you? You see, if you start insulting back, what is that going to do to your heart? What is that going to do to the blessing that could be yours? He says, just keep silent. Why? Because you know who you really are in Jesus Christ. You can say anything to me. Some people have. But I know who I am in Christ and that you cannot touch. Because it's between me and Christ, Christ and me. You can insult me, you can insult the way I am, you can say whatever you like, but I know what Jesus thinks about me. And I'm not going to spend eternity with you, I'm going to spend eternity with him. So where do you want to trust? Where are you going to really get your, your self-worth and your identity from? Is it from others? Or is it from Jesus? What are you going to do when people insult you?
Third one, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Note first the size of the items. This is not big things. Jesus is not saying, if I, if I go to the McCluckies and say, hey, I want your house, and they say, yes, well, take the car and the house and everything within it, right? It's not a blank check that you're signing. This is specific. This is because it comes from the Old Testament again. It's not referring to large amounts. It comes from Deuteronomy 24, and it says that if you're poor, if a neighbor is poor, do not go to sleep with their pledge. If they want to borrow from you, they will pledge you their, their, their coat. And they say, you take my coat because that's what I used to sleep in. And then give me the money and I promise I'm going to pay it back, right? This is like a loan arrangement. But it's saying if they don't pay you back by the end of the day, don't keep the coat. Don't be cruel to them and say, well, because you haven't paid me back, I'm keeping this coat. You're just going to have to go shivering all night. Give it back. This is where Jesus says, you know, give, give generously. Give as you want to be given to you. Treat others as you want them to treat you. Don't treat them with harshness because that's what was happening. People were saying, okay, well, I have to give you the coat back because the law says. So, Ian, I'll give you your coat back because you borrowed money off me, but I'll take your shirt instead because I want some kind of collateral on my loan. No, trust other people, Jesus is saying. Don't treat them like that. Don't let your attachment to material things destroy relationships. How many times does that happen? Somebody borrows something from you, or you lend something to someone, they don't give it back, and then the relationship is destroyed. I made a policy when I was young. It nearly happened to me when I was young. And after that, I made this policy that I would never give anything, let anybody borrow anything without just giving it to them. If they want to return it, return it. But I won't expect it. If I don't want you to have it, you're not having it. If it's that precious to me, I'm not going to let you, you know, I'm not going to let it out of my sight. But if I have it, I'll give it to you. So if people come up and say, David, can I borrow 50 quid? I have to look and literally I think, can I give you 50 pounds? If I can give it to you, I will give it to you. But I'm not going to destroy our relationship by, by letting you borrow 50 pounds. Then you find it difficult to repay it. And then it destroys our relationship because you're trying to avoid me. I see you hide bin behind the, the bins every time I'm walking by. Oh, my goodness, I still haven't paid him back. Oh, but that's what happens over silly things. Jesus said, don't let that happen. Because what's happening? Your heart is becoming hard. And the blessing stops flowing. Fourth example, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. This was a, a, a legal requirement that the Roman soldiers could, could say to anybody. I'll pick on Ian because I picked on Tim earlier. Ian's out the front washing his car. He does that every Saturday, don't you, Ian? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't he, Liz? Absolutely. So he's outside washing his car. He's busy, right? He's covered in soap suds at the whole works. A Roman soldier walks by, which, granted, within the context, would be quite unusual, but you get my drift. He could say, Ian, 
you need to carry my pack for one mile. Now, this is seriously inconvenient, isn't it? Oh, well, hang on a minute. I'm busy. I'm in the middle of washing the car. If I don't get the car washed in the next quarter of an hour, I'm going to be in trouble with my wife. She's going to be like, I'm slacking again. I've been off eating chocolate on the quiet. You know, all these things. But it was a legal requirement. Any Roman soldier could come up to any man and say, you've got to carry it. And you would have to carry it. If you didn't, it was punishable. So this is where Jesus is going. And he's saying, hey, they asked you to carry it one mile. Carry it two. What's he saying? He's saying, don't let any infringement on your time or your personal rights destroy relationships. Extend kindness to others. So often people come up and they demand things of us. Hey, it's my right. Oh, no, I can't do it. I'm too busy. And we allow our time, which is precious, or, or what we think is our right, to distance ourselves and destroy that relationship instead of allowing that relationship to grow. He said, be kind towards others. In Romans, it talks about, you know, go the extra mile, then, then you'll shame the person that will actually, who's asked you in the first place. Hey, I'll carry it for two. You're only talking about 15 minutes, aren't you, of your time? A mile's not very far. You'll figure that out when we do the 5K walk in September. It's not that far to walk a mile. You're talking 15 minutes of your time. He said, don't let that happen to you. He uses these four examples. When people abuse your character, choose to live free and show grace. When people abuse your name, choose to keep silent because who you are is safe in Jesus. When people choose to abuse your property, be generous. Where's your hope anyway? And when people choose to abuse your time or your personal rights, he says, show extra kindness. Why? Because if you do that, you will enable the blessings of God to flow into your life. If you say, no, it's my rights, it's my time, it's my stuff, it's my name, it's my character, you will close your heart and the blessings of God will stop flowing. Which would you rather have? The blessings of God in your heart? Or would you rather have the human way of responding? This is what God says to you. And why? Because this is the way Jesus responded. You look at Jesus' life, this is the way he responded in these situations. And he calls you and me to be imitators of Christ. You see, your heart is precious. Guard what comes out of it. Guard what goes into it. Keep your covenant commitments and those relationships because they're primary avenues of blessing. Keep your commitments. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Refuse retaliation and defensiveness. Refuse to allow your heart to get hardened in that way and be active in love. He said, if you do these things, it's like pulling all the weeds out of the garden so that those flowers can grow and blossom. God wants to give you and me so many blessings, but so often we limit them by the way we behave. We try and protect our heart in the wrong way instead of entrusting it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today.
from Matthew's Gospel. Lord, thank you for these ways in which we so often respond in the wrong way. And therefore, we, we think we're protecting our heart, but we're actually closing it off. You want our hearts to be open like yours was. So that the blessing of God can flow into our lives. Teach us what it means to have an open heart. Lord, thank you for these four examples. You could have used many, many more, but you use these just to show us how we need to have an open heart to you and to one another. Lord, may we examine our own hearts and our own lives. Open them. That we may be recipients and channels of your blessing. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.